Amen. I want you to make some noise and help me welcome Brother Steve and Miss Donna to the stage tonight. Amen. Aren't y'all excited that they're here tonight? We have been, yes, we have been so excited for y'all to come out. I'll tell you what, we have been talking about it with our students. They've been so excited that y'all are here tonight. Um, and we got a couple questions lined up to hear from them and uh, their college journey as well. But I want to say for a moment, just the impact that these two have had on me and Hannah uh, really cannot be understated. Um, I want you to understand, Brother Steve is someone for me who has spent time with me every week uh, teaching me how to preach because I need it every day. He teaches me how to preach. Uh, we've memorized scripture together, dug into the word together, um, and he has really invested in my life personally, um, and I've been so grateful for that. And so for, for me, I know firsthand um, their heart for college students. They have prayed for you a lot more than you know. They've prayed for you every semester. Ever since I came on staff, I've watched them pray for our college ministry and see a lot of the prayers be answered by you living out your faith. And so, guys, we're so grateful that y'all are here with us tonight. And uh, one of the first things we really want to talk about is college and when you were in college. Um, and Brother Steve, you know, you preach each week and you share a lot of your testimony about, you know, when you got saved in college, a lot of your buddies, they said it's just going to be a phase. And, you know, you listen to John Knight and, and some of us have been there before. When we get on fire for Jesus, there's others around us that aren't on fire. And they, they tell us sometimes, oh, it's just going to be a phase. You're going to snap out of it at some point. Uh, but for you, you know, when you really got turned on to Jesus, how did you persevere and hold on to your faith, even when others told you it was just going to be a phase? Well, I was playing football. Wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was playing football at a little school called UT Martin, and uh, it, that whole thing, I was mad at God. Uh, I had been recruited by a lot of the schools in uh, the SEC and had letters from a lot of places and stuff, and I got hurt playing Bartlett, okay? <laughs> yeah. Bartlett, yeah, man. Hey, where are my Bartlett people at? Amen. <laughs> we have three or four. <laughs> and so, and so, anyway, uh, guy fell on my ankle, and I'd already gone to Mississippi State to visit them. Already gone to Vanderbilt, mm -hmm. and I was supposed to go to Tennessee the next week. And uh, Coach Battle called and said, "Let's wait and see about your ankle." And so, I was the starting offensive tackle, starting defensive end. I was the punter, and uh, I, I just had to play with a really bad ankle and it, I, we did great. The team did great, but I was struggling through the year. And so I didn't get a scholarship to a SEC team or anything. And so I was mad at God, you know, for letting that happen. And I, I grew up in church, but <clears throat> I don't really, I'll find out to heaven when I got saved, if it was when I was seven or when I was 18. Yeah. But I know that at 18, I was uh, angry and I was mad and I was doing things I shouldn't do. And I don't, like to talk a lot about all that, but uh, I was really going deeper and deeper into sin. But I had some guys in the Fellowship of Christian Athletes that were having a Bible study every week, and they started inviting me to come. I didn't really want to come, but I went, and uh, they were good football players, and I enjoyed being around them, but I just didn't, I didn't want to, I was mad at God. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> but God started working on my heart, oh, yeah. and uh, I really... Uh, I really, uh, I didn't know what was going on. You know, I, yeah. I came to Memphis the last time I went out partying, and I won't talk about all that, but I woke up the next day, and I looked around the room, and it's the first time I ever heard God talk. Yeah. He said, is this what you want? Mm. And I looked around. I saw, you know, what we had done the night before, and I said, no. 5.30 in the morning at Rhodes College when it was southwestern at Memphis. And I looked around, and I said, no, that's not what I want. 
And I heard him say, follow me. And so I went back and uh, went to a little country church that week in revival and gave my heart to Jesus and got saved. I was 18 years old. <laughs> That's amazing. And, uh, Praise yeah, God. Yeah. 45, 45 years ago. Yeah. I'm, I'm 63. You don't have to do the math. I'm 63. Uh, and uh, so 45 years. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, Brother Steve, I got the big one out of the four questions. Um, in, co in college, I hear you share all the time. That's where you met Miss Donna. And a topic of discussion in college. Yes, so we celebrated a, a topic of discussion here in college is um, dating. Just a little bit. Just yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Right. yeah. Pastor has to just talk. Just a little bit. <laughs> Pastor has to talk to a lot of college students about dating. And um, you know, as you met Miss Donna and you got to know her and things like that, what was it for you that let let you know that told you like, man, she's the one I'm supposed to marry? Well, you know, I really, and I'm I'm going to answer, but I want her to answer. Why don't you tell them a little bit about uh, how we got together? You want to? Well, I grew up in a Christian home. I got saved at nine, felt called into the ministry at 12. And my pastor here in Memphis, I was planning to go to Ole Miss, and my pastor at Memphis went to Union as a vice president. And he called me um, beginning of my senior year in high school and said, I think you need to come visit Union. And my first response was, I don't want to go to that little Baptist school. You know, I'm, I'm going to a big school with football team and all the fun stuff. Um, and, I, and I love the Lord, and I felt called to ministry. And, but I couldn't shake it. So after a couple of weeks, I told my dad, I've got to go visit Union. And so we drove up, visited. By the end of the day, I was signing the dotted line, and I knew that's where I was supposed to be. Well, my second year there, I was actually recruiting for Union that summer, and Dr. Agee, that pastor who was the VP at Union, came in and told me he had met my husband. <laughs> and I said, really? What does he look like? <laughs> Tell me about him. And he, anyway, began to tell me about a little bit about Steve. And he actually told Steve the same thing. I think I've met your wife. So he was our matchmaker. But it would be a year and a half before we would actually go on a date. So I'll let you. <laughs> There's a lot of college students that wish somebody would do that for them. Hey, I met your husband. Well, yeah, I met your wife. You know, <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, where's that for me? <laughs> and again, I don't, I don't want to go to details. But I, I was not living for the Lord in high school. So when I dated, I wasn't doing right. And so when I, I didn't really know how to date, you know, and do right. And so yeah. um, I, when I met her, first of all, I couldn't believe she went out with me. Like, she's the most popular girl and all this stuff, you know. Yeah. But when I first met her, uh, I had just come from UT Martin. I transferred to Union my junior year. I quit football and all that. And uh, <clears throat> when I found out that she was like in a sorority and she was a cheerleader, I thought she'd probably be a heathen, you know what I mean? So I thought, you know. <laughs> No offense to all you cheerleader <laughs> sorority people, but I mean, you know, at Martin, they were the rowdy bunch, yeah, all right? So yeah. I thought, and so Dr. Agee introduced me, and I said, hi, and I walked off. <laughs> I said, I don't want any of that. Get away from me. You know, I'm trying to live for Jesus, man. Get away from me. Get away from me. That's awesome. So <laughs> I just said, so, and so then, you know, after look, looking around and, and watching her for a year and a half, it's like, man, she loves the Lord. And uh, and I think she was trying to checking me out in the whole process, too. And so uh, I mean that in a good way, you know. Yeah. Uh, you tell him about that. I was watching him. <laughs> but he had a, a, a singing group, Living Water, and he and the guys would load up every weekend to go out and do revivals and, you know, to, to lead things. And he was constantly witnessing to people on campus and praying with people. And so when he did ask me out, 
Um, and we went on our first date. We closed that date by praying together. He asked if we could pray together. And I had never been on a date where on the first date the guy had asked me if we could pray together. And boy, that that really meant a lot because that's what I was longing for. I'd been dating somebody prior to Steve and I broke up with him because he didn't feel called into ministry and I knew I was called to ministry. And even though he's a good guy, he was a preacher's son. You know, I would, I would yeah. tell the Lord, that's pretty close. Yeah. <laughs> you could be a really active lay person. Yeah. But it was like the Lord said, no, you're supposed to be wholly devoted to me in ministry. And so I, you know, that's what I was longing for. And when I went to college, I, I was raised in a great youth group and I loved the Lord. I read the Bible daily, those kinds of things. But when I got to college, I started reading the book of Acts mm -hmm. and basically said, Lord, this is what church is supposed to be like. This is what my life is supposed to be like. Like, and when Steve and I went out, I think it was maybe our second date, he asked me, what do you want out of life? And I said, more than the status quo. There's got to be more to the Christian life than I have experienced. Yeah. And there is. Amen. Amen. Let's make some noise for that. Amen. Absolutely. Amen. But I, I, think, I think that, like, when I went out on the first date, I mean, I just, I fell in love. I, I, I mean, fall in love, knew it was the right thing, heard from the Lord, whatever you want. We did not kiss on our first date. We prayed. That's right. We prayed. And uh, now we did kiss on our second date. All right. But we're not, <laughs> not on our first one. All right. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, but uh, that first date, I got my guitar. We worshiped the Lord. And uh, we played uh, down by the old country store, you know, Casey yeah. Jones. And she worked there. And um, so we, we just had a great time. And when we prayed, I don't know how else to say it. It's like God just came down on that car. And I was holding her hand. I just started shaking. I thought, good night. What is going on? It wasn't just her. It was the Lord. It was like God said, this is it. Yeah. This is it. Now, I know, you know, she really didn't, and I didn't push that at all. I didn't say, hey, God told me. You know, she had one other guy at the unit say, God told me. He said this to her. God told me we're supposed to get married. She said, well, when God tells me, I'll let you know, okay? <laughs> yeah, amen. Amen. So I didn't pull that stunt. But anyway, yeah. I, I just said, you know, I really believe this could be it. I couldn't believe it. You know, I'm like, yeah. man, she's missed everything, you know, and all that. And uh, it was just the grace of God. And we, we fell in love pretty quick, yeah. told each other we loved each other pretty quick, and dated. And then about four and a half months later, I bought that ring, baby. <laughs> Sealed the deal. Sealed you know, deal. Back, back now, you know, you invite everybody to your deal. But back then, you know, <laughs> yeah, we went down to a, uh, what was it? A, a rest stop down here, exit 672 on the way north. <laughs> And I, you know, 11 o'clock, 10 o'clock, whatever it was, after, after watching her play basketball, I love everybody, but I, anyway, I won't go there. Anyway, uh, Filter. You know, I'm just kind of like, you know, can we get this thing going here, man? I want to, I want to ask you to marry me, you know? And yeah. so we're out on a little picnic table under the shed at a rest area, you know, oh, with yeah. trucks coming and going. And I said, will you marry me? She said, sure. I said, will you wear this ring? She said, ah. She went with that, so, yeah. so anyway, but, but, uh, do what? Oh, yeah, this is good. <laughs> this is the best illustration I've ever heard, literally. Um, that if you are pursuing Christ with your whole being and you are, you're going after him and you can look to the right or the left. And if you're a female, there's a guy pursuing Christ with the same passion you are. You can pray about going out with him. That's what we were watching. Mm. I was looking for a, a, a man 
that loved Jesus and who would lead me spiritually. I wanted somebody who would take the leadership, and I wanted somebody who was already living for Jesus, not somebody I was going to have to convince to live for Jesus. Because if you've got to look behind you, they're not a candidate. They've got to be pursuing Christ with the same passion you are. I think you're far better to be spend a shorter time in life with the right one than to spend a longer time in life with the wrong one. (laughs) And don't forget what I just said. God has a plan, and and the vast majority of you are going to get married, okay? There are a few people that God calls to, you know, being single, and that's fine. Praise God. I know some. I do know some. But they're kind of rare, and so I, I think that, you know, God's got that for you. The main thing for you is not looking around, but it's keeping your eyes fixed on Jesus. That's right. And then you can, you can glance every, one, every once in a while around. Uh, don't think I didn't glance when I saw her, all right? But, <laughs> yeah. but, and she's been a looker forever, okay? So, I mean, yeah. And, but uh, I, I kept my gaze on the Lord, yeah. and uh, I wanted Him. And, and there was, you know, we were willing to, if the Lord wanted us to, to break up, but now I tell you, we've been married 41 years. We got uh, four kids, and by God's grace and their mother, they love the Lord. They're serving the Lord. Our son's a preacher. He's got five kids, and they just uh, didn't adopt, but they uh, foster care this little uh, kid. And then my daughters. I have three daughters, and uh, one Lindsay is married to a worship leader that used to serve here and at Gardendale. Yeah, and they've got four kiddos, and so. And then uh, our other daughter is married to a pastor in Arkansas. They've got four kids. And then our baby girl lives here, and she's married to one of our deacons. They just had their third child. So we got 16 grandbabies, all right? And we never thought about that, you know. Yeah. And that's cool. That's cool, yeah. But, uh, But I think the thing that for us is I still wake up in the morning excited about life. Yeah. Not because of me. But because I, everything I hear you guys talking about, and this this why I know it's real with you and with you, you don't talk about religion. You talk about falling in love with Jesus. I had religion, man, when I was growing up, but I fell in love with Jesus, and I have never. That's why when all my buddies were saying, "You'll get over it. This ain't gonna last," and all this stuff, I said, "You know what? This is lasting, and this is lasting. All right, and and I'm not let. I know." I know that he's not going to let me go, so I'm not going to let him go. Amen? And so I, I'm, I'm going the whole way. If I got two more days or 20 more years, I'm good, man. Amen. Yeah. Isn't that good? I'm, I'm all in. For that. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Well, I do want to shift gears for a moment. College is a big time where you're dating and you're considering marriage. But one of the other things you talked about is falling in love with Jesus. And y'all know, but here in our ministry, we have something that we talk about a lot, which is the 7%. And that's the, and I could bring probably any student up here in, in this room tonight, and you could tell them what the 7% represents for the view, but it's how we fit into being a catalyst for spiritual awakening in Memphis and beyond. A 7% of the city of Memphis is college students. There's 47,671 in the Memphis area. Um, and so what we ask all the time is, what would it look like If 7% of Memphis gave their lives to Jesus Christ, could God save 7% of Memphis? Could he save every college student in the city of Memphis? And I think about when Moses asked God, you know, how are you going to provide for all these soldiers with the meat? And God asked Moses, is the Lord's arm weak? (laughs) You know, and it's not. The Lord's arm is very strong. 
And so, you know, as you look out at these students, Brother Steve, Ms. Donna, they want to see revival happen at their college campus. They want to see it happen at U of M, at CBU, at Rose, at Southwest. They want to see revival. I think for you guys, y'all have seen incredible movements of the Lord in your ministry here at Bellevue, at places before this Gardendale. You've talked about that. When it comes to the Lord bringing revival, we can't force the Lord to do anything, but we know there's things that we can do that attract a revival. What would you say the Lord is looking for in us and in our college students to truly bring a revival to their college campus? I think that prayer and fasting are probably the two biggest things that you got to think about. And I know a lot of times when people think about fasting, they think about some weird thing. All it is is doing without food to seek God. That's all it is. It's just doing without food. You can miss a meal. You can miss two meals. You can miss three meals. If you take medication, anybody can miss one meal. Uh, I remember when I really, uh, when uh, I was serving with your father-in-law in Alabama and David Jett and some other guys, and we were just hungry for God. And I got, it was 1995. I got really to the point where I said, Lord, if, if this is all there is, we were baptizing people and all that. And it was, you know, budgets were growing, people were coming and all this stuff. But there was just something missing in my heart, man. You know, I'm, I'm like, okay, I'm doing all this stuff. I'm doing all this serving and, I, and all, that's great. But God, if this is all there is, I'm wearing out. I got four little kids, you know, I, <clears throat> I need some help. I, I'm, I'm not, I'm kind of empty on the inside and just as clear as a bell. Uh, through some th things, God, God gave uh, Ronnie Floyd had gone through a 40-day fast, and uh, he gave me a book uh, about uh, a 40-day fast. And so I went on a 40-day fast. And I'm not trying to, you know, you're not supposed to talk about it, you know, you lose your reward and all that. I'm just trying to say, you know, it was just a radical kind of thing. And, and I really felt led of the Lord to do it. And it was in 1995. And during that time, David Jett, you know David, he went on one. Uh, Russ Quinn went on a 21-day when your father-in-law. Mm -hmm. And so we wound up, we had about 40 or 50 people doing 10-day, 21-day, 40-day fast, whatever. And all I know is at the end of it, uh, in about a month after we had done that, one Sunday morning, right before I got up to preach, the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and said, give the invitation before you preach. I literally said to the Lord, we don't do that here. He said, you do now. <laughs> and so I said, okay. It is your house, by the way, right? Okay, yeah, okay. And so I gave the invitation. A bunch of people got saved, got up and preached. Gave the invitation. A bunch of people got saved, went to second service, felt the Holy Ghost say, do it again. I said, all right, man, this is all about you, man, not about Steve. And so uh, I gave the invitation before I preached. People got saved, preached. People got saved. That night, came back to church. Place was packed. Place was packed on a Sunday night. Nobody said anything. And from then on, we saw every we saw witches get saved, people that were Wiccans. We saw every kind of person in the LGBTQ thing. You know, we saw people saved, set free. We saw all we saw people get miraculously healed. We saw we saw a lot of stuff, man, for the next uh, eight or nine years. And God was just bringing people in. We had this church that would probably the sanctuary is not much bigger than this room. I don't know, maybe just a tad, but we were running like 4,000 in, in a, a church, you know, that could only seat like 1,200. And we were having three services and it was just like fire ants. If you've ever kicked over an anthill, that's what we were. People all over the place. We broke every rule there was of church growth. You know, <laughs> you got to have more room, 80% you're full. Man, we were 110% full. You know what I mean? We were, 
We were like, there's no place to sit, so just sit on the floor, you know. And so, but man, we, we were just seeing God move. And, and I could get up and just preach for 20 minutes. And there were sometimes I would. I'd just preach for 20 minutes. But people were just getting saved. People were getting healed. People were getting turned on to the Lord. And people got called to ministry. There were just dozens of young guys that got called to preaching. I mean, I, 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 the preacher boys that came out of that movement are all over America now. And so, you know, I've, I've tasted that. And once you taste that, man, nothing else tastes quite the same. You know what I mean? And, and we've seen some great things happen at Bellevue. I thank God for it. But I do believe that that's what we need. We need a movement of God. We need for people to be able to say, God is in this place. The Spirit of God is in this place. It's not just about lights and music. I mean, I love all of it. Don't worry about it. But I'm just saying it's not just about that. It's not just about you feeling good and all that. It's about the present, the, the manifest presence of God in the house of God. That's revival. And I, I, I've told our people, and you've heard me say it so many times, you could repeat it, but we don't plan worship services to attract people. We plan worship service to attract God, and God attracts the people. That's right. Amen. There's the difference. Amen. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a little prediction. I started to say prophecy, but prediction, okay? Before most of you die, what's going to happen in our world, not just in our nation, is the light is going to get brighter and the darkness is going to get darker. You can go read about it in Isaiah 60. You ought to write that one down. Isaiah 60, verse 1 and following. And I'm telling you, churches like Bellevue are going to draw people in because the world's going to get so crazy they're going to want just the pure Word of God. Not, not a preacher. It's not about me, if I'm gone or whatever, or if he's gone or whatever. This church, historically, and I pray always will, just shares the Word of God. And churches like that are going to grow. Yeah. And liberal churches that, you know, Mickey Mouse around and, they, you know, just try to make you feel good and all that stuff, you know, they're going to die. They're going to die. And the world's going to get darker, but it's going to get brighter simultaneously. How many of you want to be part of the light? Amen. You want to be Amen. part of the light. You want to be part of Jesus. Amen. So I, as far as my buddies and all that stuff, you know, a bunch of them got saved. And uh, I'm meeting them. My son pastors in Murfreesboro. We're going up. Uh, uh, we have not met back with each other for a long time. But we've been, uh, we, this is our 45th year uh, out of high school. And so we're all meeting up in Murfreesboro, going to a game, and then we're going to go hear my son preach, but we're going to be with each other all this weekend, about eight or nine of them. They're all saved. They all know the Lord. All my buddies got saved, got turned on to Jesus, man. And so just hang in there. You may not, you may not say, you know, my brother, uh, he went to Rhodes. He got messed up over there. I'm not saying you, you, if you go to Rhodes, you get messed up. I'm just saying he, he, just, he, went, he went the opposite direction, but before he died, I got to lead my brother to Christ, amen? And so I got to baptize him. And so just stay with Jesus and pursue him, and everything else will fall in line if you'll just walk with him. Anything you want to say to that? Okay. Sheesh. Thank you so much, Brother Steve. <laughs> Yeah. Got another one. I <laughs> hope y'all are ready. Um, man, Brother Steve, um, going off of what you said, just talking about the presence of God, um, over the last two years, um, 
many college students in this room and Co coach and I are fortunate enough been on staff to see it. Coach has been on staff coming up on five years now. We've seen God move at the view and in college students' lives. And, uh, and then COVID came along and, you know, it didn't put a stop to God's movement by any means. It just started to look a little different. And um, college students, we're going back to our campuses this semester, 100% in the classrooms will be with professors and things like that. And so we just want to ask you and Ms. Donna, how would you encourage college students going back to their campuses for the first time in almost a year and a half, how would you encourage them to go reach their peers for the gospel on their college campuses? Exactly what you were doing prior to COVID when you were praying over the campuses and claiming those campuses for Christ and walking over and asking God to give you those campuses and then be intentional in the way you live. God places you in classes with people specifically so that you can have divine appointments. And if he grants you an opportunity to share the name of Jesus with somebody, you better believe he's already working on their heart. And you need to engage with them. And the best way to do that is ask questions. And it's really, you don't have to be fearful about it. It's so easy to say, well, tell me about your background. Do you have any religious background? Is, are you affiliated with a church? I mean, that's non-threatening. Yeah. And go from that into being able to share your testimony and then to be able to share the gospel with them. But begin to pray for God to give you divine appointments and ask for the boldness. Yeah. When you pray and when you fast, look at the book of Acts. What does God do? He would fill them with this Holy Spirit and they would proclaim the gospel with boldness. Yeah. So that means there's no fear. I, the Lord, I, I'm so burdened about what's going on in Afghanistan. I just... Oh, my goodness. I've been praying today for a young woman, a missionary, Grace, and her husband and their one-month-old that are holed up in the Kabul airport right now, unable to get out because the airport has been run over, and they're fearful that the Taliban will come in and they won't be able to get out of the country. So it is serious for believers. My goodness, we have the freedom to share Jesus without our lives being risked. How can we not do it while we're free? And Steve just said, could we pray for the people in Afghanistan and for Grace and her family? Okay. Father, you know how heavy my heart has been today. Lord Jesus, I've been asking you to hide the believers. And God, I saw today, someone reported that the Taliban's been going to their homes and they cannot find them. So Lord, I'm asking you to put a hedge of protection around all of them. And I pray especially for Grace, for her husband, for their one-month-old, that you will get them out of that country, that you will protect them. But God, there are some Christians who are refusing to leave because they want to be a witness for Jesus. Lord, would you protect them from the Taliban? Would you grant them divine appointments with those that are seeking you? Because, Lord, they're desperate. They, they need you. Would you allow these Christians to have opportunities to share the name of Jesus and the gospel of Jesus? And, God, would you use what looks like a disaster to man to bring a great revival in Afghanistan? God, would your church just explode there? We're asking you to move as only you can, Father. And we're asking you to bind Islam, to bind every demonic spirit that would have blinded the minds and the understanding of the people there. And we're asking that you would give them visitations and dreams and visions, that they would see Jesus, that they would know that you are real and God, that you would bring Christians across their path to share the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ with them. Protect those Christians, fill them with your Holy Spirit and fill them with boldness, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Could I just say a word to them real quick? I want to say to you what we've said to our kids. And we never told our kids to do anything because they were pastor's kids. We told them to follow the Lord and to just be in love with Jesus. 
I just want to encourage you. You have no idea how much God can use you. You have no idea what potential he has in you. Uh, I wasn't, you know, I, I, I wasn't a great athlete. I wasn't a great student or anything like that. I never dreamed about being a preacher. I mean, I laughed when Dr. Agee, who introduced us, said, God may be calling you to preach. I mean, I, I, that's the last thing I ever dreamed of. But God has a, I know you've heard this, but here, here's my life's verse. Listen to this. God knows the plans he has for you, plans for welfare, not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. All you need to do is press in to the Lord. When you wake up in the morning, get in the Word. Before you start checking your phone and all these messages and social media, get in the Word. Get the Word in you and then talk to the Lord according to what He said to you in the Word. Pray for people and ask Him to fill you with the Holy Spirit and then walk through the day and just talk with Him and pray with Him. I can remember when I was on campus at UT Martin, I, I had a Bible, and I just started carrying it around with me, and the Lord said, it'll take you, it, you have to be stronger to carry a Bible around than you do to go out and get drunk and all that kind of stuff. And I'm not telling you you need to go, you know, carry a Bible around, but I am trying to tell you this. You don't be ashamed of Jesus Christ, and He will honor your life and bless your life. He already knows everything you need. He already has everything you need. Can I just make a statement? He is all you need. Amen. He is everything. Fall in love with Him. It's not about being a Baptist. It's not about, it's about being in love with Jesus Christ. And I'm just, I just, I am so blessed to be in this room tonight. Uh, I know you guys love the Lord. I was watching Jeff and these guys worship, and uh, it's just blessed my heart for us to be able to be here and we might come back. We're going to sit in the back row maybe, but we're going to, we might come back. Come I like this, man. This is awesome. Yeah. Hey, well, we deal. love you guys. Don't y'all love them too? <laughs> Amen. We love you guys. <laughs> and uh, listen, thank you so much for giving up your time to be with us tonight. We really do. We love you. And all these students are for both you guys. They support you. They pray for you a lot too. I know they do. I've heard them pray for both of you. They love you guys a whole lot. So thank you so much.